Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell. And I'm Allison Green. And today we are anxious about procrastination. music music yeah i was thinking yeah. we could just like i was gonna plan on like pause like some sort of ceremonious pause to like kind of procrastinate in the beginning of the episode but then i realized like it wouldn't work functionally really no no it wouldn't it's a it's a concept though it is a so, concept <laughs> chris how do you feel about today's topic where do you fall on the procrastination spectrum so is this like on the scale of or just like generally speaking no, before just, we talk about No, yeah. before we yeah. talk about how we're doing, just like let's yeah. sort of frame how we actually relate to procrastination. So I know. think pr- procrastination is interesting for me because it's something that I've like intimately confronted for a long, you know, for my whole life. And I think when we chose the topic, I thought that I kind of knew what I was going to say. And then when I was sort of mentally preparing for the episode a little bit, I realized like procrastination, whether we know it or not, is like, it's sort of this extremely innate part of our existence, right? Like it it permeates a lot more than I thought, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. It's something that's kind of unavoidable, (laughs) even as much as you try to avoid it. And um It's just a very natural human reaction. And we're going to talk a little bit later in this episode about the psychology of why that is and what is so innately tempting and rewarding and also pernicious about procrastination. Um, For me, procrastination is one of my biggest struggles in life. Um, Having a combination of anxiety and depression, I can really get in these procrastination ruts where moving out of it feels pretty impossible. And we are going to be discussing a little more. I'll be airing a lot of dirty laundry about my procrastination and um, how it's affected me through my life. But we're just gonna, we should check in before we get too into um, the, the whole topic of our episode. So Chris, I wanted to ask you, on a scale of one to 18 months past the deadline, how are you feeling anxiety wise? So I feel pretty good overall. Um, I One thing we're going to talk about in this episode, I'm sure is, you know, and something which comes up kind of again and again is that we are, the way that I'm going to come at procrastination as somebody who's got that beautiful mix of ADHD and anxiety and and you where you have a more pronounced sort of depression and anxiety, it's going to be interesting to see how that manifests itself because uh, I, I think we'll probably come at this from a very different, um, a different way. Um, as far as how I am feeling uh, today. Yeah. I mean, I was feeling, uh, a little bit rough last week, just because I, um, you know, had a, a few more beverages than usual last weekend. Um, and, uh, and, and anybody who will know uh, about alcohol's effect on anxiety will know that uh, not always the best decision. But uh, I took a nice breather and feeling pretty good again. 
um, remembering that I'm 30 years old, um, which is <laughs> uh, which is good. Um, but today, yeah, I mean, one thing that's uh, happened as of late is we're in a place now where we can explore Ontario again a little bit uh, responsibly, of course. And so I'm getting some work in the travel writing um, side of my life, doing things which are um, I'm able to do, you know, such as uh, ever exciting things like playing golf and such, uh, where you just, you know, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't find somebody too near to you yeah. and things like that. Um, but I realize that there is a part of me that there's a part of me that I feel better when I've got something going on every day and I need to be cautious of that because I really um, am drawn to that feeling kind of like a, um, like a moth to the light. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm kind of just like, I'll continue to fly at it, you know, until I run out of uh, gusto and energy. And so I have to be cautious of that. But for the time being, I'm appreciating being back in that flow, if you, if you know what I mean. And, mm-hmm. and um, I also, as hopefully people will realize by now I, I really love storytelling and, and and that kind of stuff. And so it's been fun to write about things that, you know, previously I was pretty much only able to write about things that were from the distant past. And it's enjoyable to be able to write about something that just happened recently. And uh, I also got to see my uh, one of my best buddies, um, his newborn daughter, she's three months old, and I got to see her from afar because the area where I was working, um, they don't live too far away. So they drove over and I got to, to see her, not hold her or anything just yet, but uh, I got to see her from afar. So that was really nice. nice. So I think if I'm looking at a scale, probably like a two or three, to be honest with you, it, it's, uh, and it, again, it's, I always like to kind of point this out because the last few episodes have been pretty low numbers, but like if we had recorded last week, you know, my number would have been uh, would have been a lot higher. So it's just so dependent. But today, can't complain. Feeling pretty good. Also, really happy to be recording another podcast. And I will point out and underline the fact that since we've begun, uh, we haven't missed a single Thursday's release. So yes. uh, we get a uh, three check marks um, from the imaginary teacher check, check mark, mark scale. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. And- enough about me. Yeah. And I think one thing that's worth pointing out is there are times that we schedule a recording and then one of us has too much anxiety to actually record. So that might be sort of like a confirmation bias sort of thing. Like we were supposed to record last week, but I had a lot of anxiety about my dog because he was still sick and I didn't want to record that day. So I think there is also somewhat of a maybe not confirmation bias, but the data set is a little bit skewed when we're talking about our scales, because if we're truly feeling shitty, we just generally reschedule because we have pretty open schedules right now. And in <laughs> well, that's, keeping that's yeah, and in keeping with uh, the fashion of, uh, not the fashion, in keeping with the topic of this week's episode, we rescheduled this recording how many times three times and i tried to reschedule it a fourth today (laughs) yeah tried to uh but uh we we had to we had to make sure that didn't happen because i'm away a little bit next week so here we are so that's that's fair i mean i i kind of like giving the behind the scenes because it's fun it's just it's just kind of like this way that we can we can put in all caps like we're human yeah Yeah, (laughs) for sure like disgustingly human very human yeah (laughs) Yeah. um, So my excuse for today was that I have a headache. Um, I get headaches really frequently, so it's not too much of a surprise. Um, 
But yeah, I'm just a little bit out of it. So we're probably going to keep this episode a bit on the shorter side. Um, hold your tears, please, or your applause, whichever it is. And um, <laughs> We can't hear it either way, so do whatever yeah, you want. Exactly. Just don't tell us about it. And um, so, yeah, um, I'm all right, I guess. I would say I'm about maybe a four or a five. And I think the reason why I'm not doing so great is mostly because I haven't been getting out of the house very much. Mm-hmm. And that's largely due to my dog having like a lot of health issues. So it's like a lot of the outdoor things that we would like want to do, we haven't really been able to do. Like, you know, we can't really go for a hike because he his energy level has been really low. Um, we couldn't go away for a weekend because we were afraid if he got sicker, like we wouldn't know how to bring him to a vet or if the vet would speak English or that sort of thing. So um, we have just been, you know, staying close to home. And also my husband's doing night shifts for a couple weeks. So that's like really kind of just messed up my sort of balance and ability to kind of like plan things where we get out of the house, get out of Sofia for a bit. But my dog's finally doing better. Uh, Rocky is recovering, which is really exciting. Um, He was sick for like almost a month. So like this is a long, a long term issue that he's been having, but he's getting better, which means that maybe we can finally get out of Sofia for a day and just like go reset out in nature because I'm really feeling that like part of your brain that starts like screaming when you've just been inside too much. And yeah, I haven't really been doing too much outside of the house that's not in nature because people here just like aren't really respecting the pandemic. And, you know, you're just not seeing a lot of compliance with things like mask wearing. And it's like, it just makes me be a little bit extra cautious about the times that I do choose to go out. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel like uh, it really just it's hard to be comfortable with reopening when people aren't following the reopening procedures, you know, so I've just been kind of mm-hmm. keeping to myself a little bit um, and it's been OK, but I'm getting so fucking bored <laughs> and yeah. it's just that kind of boredom that's so miserable <laughs> and I don't normally get bored like this, like this degree of boredom, but it's it's like soul crushingly bored. I understand exactly what you're getting at. I'm not somebody who ever got bored previously. And I like I think I experienced like boredom for the first time in my life during this pandemic. Yeah. And I realized that the real problem with it was like it was like an unquenchable boredom. So like mm-hmm. I was yeah. bored and then I would like I would list out like three to five things I could do, and none of them seemed good at all like none of them seemed like they would quench that boredom so I just kind of there was a, an aimlessness sort of to it like it was kind yes. of like a leaf in the wind scenario you know what I mean where you're just kind of like well I guess I'll you know eventually I'll hit the ground you know I just got to make it through the end of the day and and that was something so foreign to me and thankfully yeah. not quite feeling that in the same way but I I can I can very much resonate with what you're saying yeah I too never really got super bored like I'm a person who loves rest and (laughs) relaxing. And so to me, most boredom is kind of low key and restorative and I can just like chill through the boredom and it's okay. Like I don't have something planned and it's fine. But I think just this really like long groundhog's day kind of feel 
is very maddening and you get sort of this like very restless kind of boredom that's almost like you want to crawl out of your skin because if you look at the same fucking curtains one more day you're just gonna like (laughs) tear them off the walls that's kind of how i'm feeling um yeah i've examined every square inch of this place i'm like i know i know i know it by heart i I also will say that having gone I did my first overnight trip um, a couple days ago here and I arrived back home yesterday and I had that familiar feeling of like, oh, I'm home again, you know, which is like you implicitly have this warmth where you're like, oh, it's nice to be back in this place that's safe. Mm -hmm. But I think when you spend all of your time there, like the connotation as safe and comforting and and like warm and enveloping sort of loses its luster. It's just like, this is the the place, the, the, the only place, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like we went to the Black Sea in June and I had that same feeling of like coming home was so nice, my stuff Mm -hmm. and my routine and all that. And now um, I'm coming up on incredible boredom again, which I realize makes me sound like such a brat because I just went on vacation like two months ago. But um, <laughs> we were both very mobile people before the pandemic. So for us, I think it's especially just strange. It's not harder or easier, I think, than anyone else. But it's just strange Different. because, yeah, our life, my life and your life have just taken such a 180 you know, like, it's not like, you know, someone who may have worked from home and had vacations a couple of times a year, it may be like quite different. But for me, it's like, oh, like, literally everything is, is impossible to do that I would have done before for work. So it's just a little bit strange. uh, You know, I'm not going to let this go without a silver lining. And the silver (laughs) lining is that, uh, yeah, you're going to have to accept that. There's no way to bring it back to procrastination. There's absolutely no way that you and I could for 15 weeks straight release an episode every Thursday if we were living our previous lives. So that's true. So listeners can relish the new normal (laughs) for us because it means it means we can deliver um, each and every week for for all those, uh, and you, you, you also realize that I'm like actually remembering to call them listeners and not readers yes, now. And like this is progress. It's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Just an aside, I hate that phrase "new normal." Nothing about this is normal. It's never going to be normal as much as we live it. It's abnormal. Just acknowledge mm-hmm. that it's abnormal. Like I think it's, you know? I think it's I think I think it's more apt to like the, at least the way that I've conceptualized it is like it's kind of like there was this novel that was being written and and to me the plot made you know some reasonable sense and then a chapter came out of nowhere and just blew up the plot yeah and then and now we're gonna have the next chapter and uh mm-hmm. and the the chapter i guess will be loosely related to the rest of the, the beginning of the book because there were some storylines that are going to continue but i i agree with you i don't think it's right necessarily to frame it under the, the the concept of new normal as much as like there will be more pages written because that's how life works but that chapter that just happened kind of changed everything <laughs> i don't even think it's fair to say that they're chapters i think they're just like straight up different books like we started okay, off in like you know an idyllic you know let's say victorian novel and now we're Pastoral, just in, yeah and will. now we're just like in <laughs> carmack mccarthy's the road like <laughs> <laughs> and definitely literature buffs going yeah, off here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who has a lot 
who has not majored in English probably will just be like, that was not a useful <laughs> reference for me. Kristen um, Ellison, you're procrastinating starting this episode. Yes, we are. We are. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of issues that I am avoiding right now in this deep dive. So I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, this little chit chat as we try to keep from thinking about the things that make us incredibly anxious that we're avoiding. And that's all for today. Yeah, <laughs> we did say it would be a short episode, <laughs> um, but for real. Um, how should we how should we tackle this? Um, you want to talk a little bit about... Um... I think we can both probably start by just talking about how we um, at least like conceptualize or combat procrastination like on a macro scale and then mm -hmm. dive into that. So cool. you're welcome to start or I can start, but uh, your call. Okay. Yeah. I'll get started. Um, yeah. For me, procrastination, like I said, is a struggle that's been ongoing throughout my life. I get really worked up about beginning a task even if the task is extremely short even a five or ten minute task can just continue staying on my to-do list for days and days and days um case in point like I have to send an invoice to a client I completed work for it's been two weeks that it's been on my to-do list that I haven't sent it over and like creating an invoice takes five, 10 minutes max, plus like composing an email. But I think it's like the composing an email part that's just like, has me slightly stressed. So and then I get really worked up. And this is a very random thing that I get worked up about is like, I start thinking about what day of the week it is, and using that as a way to procrastinate doing things. So I'm like, oh, it's like 6pm on a Thursday. It's not during working hours. So I can't send the email as if like there's like, you know, like, as if email matters what time you send things like that's <laughs> literally the point of email is that it's a 24 hour a day thing. But it's just, you know, it's, it's one of these mental systems that I create for myself in order to enable procrastination, which I think uh, listeners, I almost said readers, <laughs> listeners <laughs> will be familiar with is that um, you're capable of these like incredible feats of mental engineering to keep yourself from doing incredibly mm -hmm. simple things at times. And sometimes they aren't simple things. Um, I procrastinate basically everything that has any sort of like official veneer like um any sort of application or like bureaucratic thing or tax document I literally just procrastinate sometimes for years as in I have to file an amendment to my 2016 taxes that and I've known that since 2016 I couldn't get this one document that I needed my w-2s and because of that because I had to make a phone call to then get my W-2s to then file my taxes. I waited for like two years to even make the call for my W-2s. I finally got the W-2s and I still haven't filed my amendment. And I'm owed like thousands of dollars probably because you tend to like overpay when uh, like into your taxes. And then you get like a refund generally if you work in a um, like if you work for a oh my God, I'm forgetting the word, like a company or a, a federal agency 
you generally get refunded money. And so I'm mm-hmm. owed a bunch of money that I'm like, nope, I just mentally can't handle filing an amendment on my taxes. I just still haven't done it. And I probably won't do it till 2021. Let's be real. And um, there's just all these things that I just like put off and put off because the the idea of starting them feels so Herculean, the effort involved. It's just, ugh. And so, yeah, I just think about it all the time and procrastinate about it. And sometimes up to five years <laughs> or longer. It's interesting. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch there that I want to uh, talk about. First thing that I'm going to say is that one thing I think about this podcast is that we get the opportunity to talk about these things openly. And because you've said it publicly now, now um, myself and our listeners can um, very kindly and in a supporting manner, hold you lovingly accountable. Um, So I think one goal, one goal, (laughs) one goal for some time, no pressure, no pressure, but one goal we can have is to get those, those uh, filed. And then you get to post an epic picture in the we're anxious about Facebook group of like popping balls of champagne because you got mm-hmm. thousands of bucks back. So that's yeah. one thing we're going to do. And just a quick note to the IRS. You guys owe me money, not the other way around. <laughs> so don't fucking come at me. <laughs> so that's hilarious. The other thing I was thinking when you were talking about, and this is something I think a lot of people with anxiety will understand is that, um, I think in general, when you have anxiety, you have a very specific conception of what you want something to look like. So to to do something less than that feels a little bit yes. painful. And it can be this sense of perfectionism. And there's that quote that I always come back to, which I think oftentimes when you're talking about something like this, I often think about it, which is like Voltaire's quote, which is like, perfect is the enemy of good, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, that's the way I feel as well. I edit everything a billion times or whatever, but the, the the reason that can be problematic is because kind of what you were saying before, it feels Herculean because a task that for someone else, they'd be like, I'm going to do this well enough. For you, you're like, well, I need to devote this time to do it perfectly, even if it's like something bureaucratic, which doesn't need to be done perfectly. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. And oh, go ahead. No, no, go for it. The only other thing I want is the reason that I wanted to continue to ask, because I feel like this is just something that I was, I wrote it down as, a, as like an observation when you were talking. And I just want to share it because I think it's like, I'm honored that you take notes when I talk. I, I don't. I will. Perhaps, perhaps. Well, I hope you don't take notes when you talk. It'd be a jumbled mess. You'd be like, oh, great talk, Allison. When you were talking about the notion of like, we create these, we've talked a lot about like how anxiety can be difficult because you create these elaborate narratives, right? In your your head. It just occurred to me that what that's really like, and this is like, this is where the travel, uh, I don't want to say loser, but like the travel obsessed part of me and the like um, metaphor and like uh, all of these things collide. I knew a metaphor was coming. Of course, yes. I mean, it was inevitable, right? So what I was thinking about was the, the the scaffolding we create in our mind, like to to justify these things. It reminds me a lot of the the buildings of North Korea, which are like they're built up. There's light shining all over them. They look hyper impressive, but they're empty on the inside, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you but you the building looks so large and imposing. You're like, oh, I don't know. I mean, that does look impressive, but. Of course, it's the same thing with anxiety. Like that's you build those large buildings, but you can topple them over with a you know with a good push. And yeah. I think that's that's kind of the job of with anxiety is like we can we can look objectively and realize that a 
a lot of those things that we create in our mind, uh, there's no interior, you know, there's no floors in the building. It's all empty. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it doesn't make them feel any less haunted or imposing, for sure. Like, it's no, especially it's with the North very, Korean example, because yeah. that's a, an intense place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just really struggle to, I, I, I guess I just, I struggle to move past the cognitive dissonance phase where I both accept that something is problematic and actually get the resolve to do something about it. I just kind of continue in the space where I know what I'm doing, um, is not good for me, but I can't pull myself out of the rut and move forward and start making changes. I'm still sort of in that sort of that valley where now can I use a metaphor, please? I'm kind of, um, I'm um almost, I grant you this metaphor, please. <laughs> um, it's almost like when you have a car that's stuck in the mud and you kind of, you can't quite get the traction to get yourself out of the mud. And so you just keep spinning out your wheels. That's sort mm. of how I feel with procrastination and then I'm just making a fucking mess everywhere and I'm still stuck in the mud. Um, and you're more stuck in the mud really yeah. because you were trying hard to get out, right? Exactly. And then can I extend the metaphor? Oh, please. We're so, just going to have a 50 minute long metaphor. Enjoy, guys. <laughs> yes. Please enjoy. I hope you're sipping on your, you know, delightful mint julep and enjoying. Um, I don't know you why I want to add julep. another shot to your mint julep. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we're going with double mint juleps today. Um, I, to extend the metaphor, the problem is that we spin our wheels endlessly and we get so stubborn that we continue to hit the acceleration. All we need to do is call for help and have someone pull us out, but we're too proud to even do that and be like, um, hey, I know you have a truck and I'm horribly stuck in the mud <laughs> because you're too scared to even admit that you're stuck in the mud, yeah. you know? Yeah. I can't further this metaphor, so let's move on. <laughs> okay, well then I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take it uh take it back and we'll see if I can spin some more metaphors into this. Perfect. I was going to say from my perspective Run it into the ground, Chris. Okay, I will. I will, which actually kind of fits in with what I was going to say, but I um I have a tendency as um, as has been talked about a few times on this show of just really, I, I'm not great at, uh, if I have an off button, I haven't found it yet. And so for me, it can be a problem because I just, I mean, procrastination, I don't even really know what it looks like for me because I'm always kind of going. What I've realized is that I don't really procrastinate too much when it comes, especially when it comes to work stuff. I mean, I, Brie has already told me that I have to mention that I'm, I procrastinate with house stuff and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that uh, we, we'll have to mention that. I guess I have now. So that's one check mark uh, positive. <laughs> but I don't really procrastinate too much with work stuff. And it's largely because of my anxiety around failure. Like I'm so anxious about failing that I have a lot of the things that I'm trying to do professionally so high up on the the list. And then I have like my whiteboard beside my desk and I have, you know, the calendar um, beside the whiteboard and then like the yearly calendar. Like I have all of these systems which kind of put all of these things that I have to do in such uh, aggressive plain sight that I'm almost, I've almost like created a bit of a conveyor belt of, you know, of work for myself because I know what the opposite looks like mm -hmm. and that has its positives and its negatives. But I do think that my uh, ability not to procrastinate 
with, with work stuff, it, it really is tied to that being so anxious about failing sort of uh, mentality. Yeah. I think I have an anxiety about failing as well, but it manifests totally differently in that I get anxious about failing so I don't even start, you know? And I get anxious about getting stuck in the middle of a task and having mustered up the energy to start it and then leaving it half finished. I don't like to finish something halfway. Like I need to do Mm -hmm. it all at once pretty much. And because I feel like, Let's start with the car metaphor again. It's like once you got it, once you got it running, <laughs> you know, you can keep momentum without a certain amount, without needing to hit the gas as long as you're still moving, you know. But if I stop in the middle of it, it's like I run out of gas and then it's harder for me to start it up a second time. So it's like I get this idea in my head that I just need to tackle the whole thing in one, like a one shot swoop. sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And part of that is backed up by past experience and part of that is completely fabricated because I'm looking for the perfect magical conditions where this task that has been haunting me for months and months and months can finally be tackled. You know what I mean? And it is a bit of a perfectionist kind of fantasy in a way that like there is this one perfect way to do it that is going to happen on one perfect day. And you're just going to get it done. So all the other days, you're just waiting for that day. You know what I mean? I wonder if a lot of people would really resonate with what you're saying, because I know just from like, we obviously talk all the time now because we're hosting this and we have a lot of like, I think we have a fair amount of dialogue in between our episodes um, because we just don't talk to each other enough apparently. But I think (laughs) that um, it's interesting to me because something that I have kind of picked up is like, you're either insanely productive and you're like, and you're like message me and you're like, I just tackled like five days worth of work in Mm -hmm the most egregious caffeinated 24 hour period of my life. Um, (laughs) Or you're like, I am beyond lethargic and I'm like too lazy to take a sip of water right now. And it's like, so it's this, like there is no balance and it, I guarantee it's something that a lot of people can resonate with. And I really struggle with balance myself just in different ways. And I'm sure that's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's something you can speak to a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. It's like, it's interesting because it's, it's kind of two, two things. And I guess they're a bit related in a way, but I think that sort of cycle, the push and pull of lethargy and productivity is definitely a symptom of like, or not a symptom necessarily, but a result of depression and with depression you have days that are so bad and then you have days that are either okay or at least better than bad and so if you have depression you get really used to forcing yourself to do as much as humanly possible on those days that aren't as bad because those are the only days that you really have that window. And so you kind of have to force yourself to work within those windows or you can't do anything at all. And so it's that, but I also sort of have this layer of sort of some sort of like chronic pain and fatigue health issues, like not as severe as other people, but, and that's actually really common with depression to have physical pain or fatigue elements as well, there's a a big physical element to a lot of mental illness. And so I'm also having to work within sort of my own physicality and my own physical limits. And 
where the intersection of like my psychology, my motivation, my energy levels, my physical well-being all kind of intersect. I really have to cram so much into those magical hours where (laughs) things don't feel as bad. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people who have, um, you know, any sort of mental illness doesn't necessarily have to be depression, but like where you have these real highs and lows, you get really used to making the most out of the days that are better because the rest Mm -hmm. of the, the time is just sort of lost time. And you get kind of used to that if you have depression is having these periods of just lost time that I think would drive you, Chris, absolutely insane. But I'm very used to having two or three days out of a week be completely useless. And that's just sort of my baseline. (laughs) Like the idea to me now that I'm, you know, self-employed of actually working on a consistent schedule is completely impossible to me. And mm-hmm. it was only possible for me to do that in the past by like my sense of nagging guilt if I didn't perform for, you know, um, you know, my students and my colleagues and stuff. But as a self-employed, self-motivated individual with depression, anxiety, oh my God, it's just, I can't ever make a schedule. It's just like, I truly just wake up and see how my brain and my body feel that day. And then I structure my day around that. And that's Mm -hmm. why, you know, your method of like, you know, making your to-do list the night before, like that just doesn't work for me. Like when I've tried to do things like that, like plan for the next day, the night before, I just can't anticipate how I'm going to feel when I wake up. And um, I think a lot of people probably can relate to that, that it's really hard to plan for where you're going to be at the next day. So for me, I just kind of have to play as it goes. But then that means that when I have that sort of like that clouds parting moment of sunshine. Um, it's like nose to the grindstone. Is that the phrase? Like, I don't know. That's a very weird phrase if that's the phrase, but I just really have to, let's say pedal to the metal to keep the car, the car stuff going. Yeah. Um, we'll, the, we'll just keep the car stuff going for yeah, as long as possible. Keep And keep the noses not being ground. Cause that's a weird one. I don't, is that, is that a phrase? I don't. I know there is a phrase related to that, um, but I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take the wheel. Go for, a for second. it. Ah, wheel. Love Did you it. see? Yeah, yeah, you saw that. Yeah, I was. It's just fascinating to me to to hear kind of how we differ on this kind of stuff because for me, like writing the list the night before, um, for me, like the worst feeling for me is to wake up in the morning and not know what success looks like that day because I spent years where it was a bit of a guessing game for me and, and actually having that direction. Like I kind of, I think particularly people with ADHD and anxiety, there is this sense in which you're kind of like a sailboat, you know, and, uh, and whichever way the wind is going, you're going to be pushed in that direction and that can be good wind or bad wind, you know? And so for me, like the, the writing the list the night before is like a preventative measure to make sure I know what wind I'm at least looking for, you know? And it's like, and I may not, be able to do the task that I set out to do, but at least I know what I'm trying to do or what some version of success looks like for me. And I just find really, I've really relished the opportunity to work for myself because um, as I kind of was alluded to before a little bit, just 
being self-employed for me means that I can choose the tasks. Like some days I wake up and I know that I don't want to do whatever that task is. And some days um, it's 1 p.m. and I'm I'm not finished writing this, but I just know I don't have the mental capacity to write. So I'll switch to something which is a little bit more passive, like, for example, editing a podcast or editing this podcast. I know that I have enough capabilities to do that. And so I appreciate the opportunity to try and make sure that the tasks fit my mindset. Yes. And I think you're doing that too. Oh, for but sure. But it just looks really, it just looks different because we have different ways to um, to approach things. And the, and the whole burnout thing for me, like I am like, you know, for me, it's like, I'm like three months don't stop. And then like three days of like, how did this happen? You know, and like, <laughs> and it happens over and over again. And I'm, I'm getting better with it. But, you know, burnouts is a real thing. I mean, we can we can mm-hmm. do another episode about burnout sometime. Oh, yeah. Anyways, I'll let you uh, I'll let you respond to some of that because I'm sure you'll have uh, something to say. Yeah. So for me, I don't get now that I'm like, you know, physically stuck in one place. Um, I don't really get burnout so much because a lot of my burnout has to do with like taking in unfamiliar environments, um, which is, you know, one of the great joys, but also one of the great struggles of traveling. Um, if you're anxious is a lot of stimuli can be overwhelming at times. And so, even if you're not having anxiety in the moment as you're traveling, I think the unfamiliarity and the uprootedness of constantly absorbing all this new information and new stimuli and new, you know, words, new signs, new ideas, new roads, just new everything. I get super burned out when I'm traveling. So for me, this pause of being sort of forced to stop traveling and have to just focus on myself and focus on my work for my burnout, it's actually been quite good um, because I I have those days where I take those breaks. But it's also been a little bit bad for my procrastination tendencies as well because when all days look the same, there's no sense of urgency to do anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So it's like, oh, well, tomorrow is exactly the same as today. So there's really no reason for me to clean the house today. I'll just continue living in filth like a fucking raccoon and just (laughs) (laughs) and just yeah just like party in my fucking trash except i'm not partying because i'm tired (laughs) (laughs) and also still not drinking i haven't had a drink in about two months chris and i want five check marks for that because it's very hard for me to stop drinking and i have not had a drink in two months I have, uh, I actually just gave you five check marks on my list, um, oh. which is, yeah, pretty exciting. And yeah. I have one of those stickers with the oversized emojis and the big <gasps> mouth that's just like, success. so you'll be very thrilled. <laughs> oh, yay. Yeah. So that's been something that's been um, actually really nice for me in quarantine is it was a tough couple of like first couple of weeks, but now it's like not part of my habit set anymore. And I just feel a lot healthier and I get less headaches, um, though clearly not enough less headaches. Um, But yeah, so just wanted to preemptively pat myself on the back for that. Um, One other thing uh, I wanted to talk about, I guess, is 
we read this article. Well, I read this article um, about it's called why you procrastinate parentheses. It has nothing to do with self-control and parentheses. Um, it's on the New York Times. We'll link it in the episode description. And it talked about quite a few things that I thought were really interesting and things that I had never really conceptualized before. But one thing that I wanted to talk about that it brought up was the idea put forth by um, Dr. Pierre Steele that um, procrastination is a form of self-harm. And I don't want to make it seem like we're taking self-harm, you know, lightly. I know there are people who, you know, struggle a lot more with maybe physical self-harm or other forms of self-harm. But I do think it's actually a useful framework to to keep in mind because it's actually a pretty accurate description it's like a form of psychological self-harm because you keep doing something that makes you feel like shit and you know it makes you feel like shit and the knowing is actually what makes it the most pernicious because it 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 brings on a sense of guilt that you're doing something that you know is bad for you it's like you know, continuing to smoke cigarettes or continuing to drink when you know you have a problem with it and want to stop. So you get sort of this guilt and beating yourself up cycle that is ultimately more harmful than the procrastination itself. So I just sort of wanted to talk about that a little bit and um, how I think that that's an element of procrastination that we often forget about is we think about the event that's being put off and we don't think about the mental toll. And that's why we, we're bringing this, this to an episode, um, is that that's why we're anxious about procrastinations. We're anxious about the, the feelings of guilt, the feelings of, of just anger with yourself for not being able to do the things in a timely fashion that's what provokes the anxiety is not so much the actual action not being done because the action not being done is ultimately relatively neutral. What's not neutral is how you feel about it. And so that's really where the like the difficulty of procrastination comes in and the sort of self-fulfilling cyclical prophecy, self-fulfilling prophecy or cyclical nature of it kind of comes in. I was just going to hop in and say, I think that it's just a fascinating way to to look at it. And I think that one thing that you mentioned, which should be highlighted for sure, is just that notion of that it's, it's not exactly, it's definitely not the event itself. And this is like classic stoicism, by the way. Um, I love stoicism. Yeah, right on. Uh, like, And just to be like, get stoic nerd on you, like when you were talking about um, what, you know, previously about travel, I was thinking about the Seneca quote, which is like travel and ch- what is it? Travel and change of place impart new vigor to the mind. Anyways, um, <laughs> I like your anyways. Seneca voice. <laughs> Thank you. I, I've I haven't done any new voice impressions for a while. So is this? Are you trying to steal my my future jobs being a voice? I'm actor? just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying that you need to think about when you're dropping quotes like I just did. How you're going to approach that? Because mm-hmm. I was practicing that Seneca in the mirror for you know days. So <laughs> so I was I, I was prepared. What I was going to get at was the that I think what can be difficult with procrastination, particularly as it relates to anxiety, is that you can have this situation where you have one task, which is kind of 
eating at your soul a little bit, right? And like providing this shame. And the example, of course, would be the classic example you talked about where there's something that you've been putting off since 2016, which would be immediately beneficial to you. It's not to say that you haven't thought about that every single day you have, but it just, you haven't gotten to it yet. But the, the real thing is that in, in our minds, I think we look at a task like that and we think, okay, well, when I get that done, like that, um, that shame is going to be removed. But, but in actuality, what happens a lot of the time with procrastination and anxiety, and, and I think in ADHD, at least I can speak to, to some extent, is that we don't actually absolve ourselves of that shame. We just assign it to a new task that should have been done. And I think that's what we need to be weary of is like, is that um, there's this tendency we have to just just making sure that that what we'll call the like the the shame the shame flame you know keeping that alive you know and yeah. just like keeping it, keeping it lit and I think it largely has nothing to do with the task being done or not it's just that you're so used to having like I think about the um, you know the eternal flame which is outside of the Parliament buildings in Ottawa and Canada um, but like you know there's every there's a lot of those around the world they're just like they're lit forever or whatever I feel like that's what people with anxiety do yeah. you know they keep the the uh, and can we make sure that we coin this phrase and talk about the shame flame a lot? Because yeah. I feel like that t-shirts? was accidentally pretty good. <laughs> T- oh, def- definitely, there's t-shirt potential because we can really bring in the flame design and emoji. Um, yeah. Ryan's actually pretty good in the graphic design, so Ooh, we might have nice. to hit Mr. Ryan Patel up, and he would love to do a shirt on the shame flame. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. Anyways, those are all, I think I'd love to hear what you, whether you think that's true as far as like, is it task related or is that like a place we hold, like a seat that we hold at the table seemingly endlessly? I think it's both. I think it's a lot of it is we need something to kind of flagellate ourselves for, you know, like what's mm-hmm. our, what's our failing of the day, you yeah. know? And we aren't so creative to keep coming up with other new things that <laughs> we are flagellating ourselves for. So we just keep returning to the same tasks. And if we put it off indefinitely, we can just keep whipping ourselves for not doing it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you need something to burn with the shame flame. Like even like even if there's nothing on top of the fire at that moment, you're just like yeah. I, I like you're like I smell burning but like I don't know what it is and you're like let me add something to the fire <laughs> yeah exactly and uh I just feel like you kind of just need like your 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 failing du jour you know what I mean and it's like <laughs> oh okay well <laughs> I love that you're failing du jour on today's menu we have yeah. your uh your inability to floss you horrible piece of human garbage yeah yeah <laughs> So I think that is it. But I also think the task itself does, you know, create a situation for us as well that, you know, it it is a real thing. It's not 100% in your head. So Mm -hmm. I think it, it is both, but mostly you're so used to having something that you're kind of just beating yourself up for. I think people with anxiety are incredibly hard on themselves. And mm-hmm. so um, you're just, you replay things a lot. I think you kind of yeah. just are just rewinding like your worst moments and are just like constantly recording them, like, like, or repeating them. I'm just thinking about, you know, all the times where I think about something I said that admittedly was stupid or, you know, not thoughtful or hurtful, but like mm-hmm. from, 
almost 12 years ago yeah, like, exactly. you know like and it's like okay like where's the where's the humility towards yourself you know where's the ability to like extend yourself a little bit of grace you do mm-hmm. that for other people but you don't do that for yourself, for yourself. and i think yeah. you know it's important to be able to do that and actually in the article one thing that i thought was interesting was that self-compassion is kind of innately tied with procrastination rather the lack of self-compassion is innately tied with procrastination and that people who work on cultivating self-compassion end up actually doing better at avoiding procrastination and the ability to forgive yourself for procrastinating makes you less likely to do it in the future and I don't really know how one forgives themselves for procrastinating. Um, and like to, um, I don't really know how that's something. You know, I'm going to plug mindfulness right now, right? Like, (sighs) like, you know, you know, that's coming. Like if you're talking about self-compassion and awareness and also, you know, like you're talking about anxiety and living in the past and living like, if we're not careful, we just live in the past or the future and we don't live in the present. Yeah. How do you live in the present? Mindfulness. And that's, and, and this is not one of these things where, like, I don't want people to, like, listen to that and be like, oh, God, Chris is talking about mindfulness again. Let's roll know, our I eyes. I kind of want like, to punch you right now. But it's Just simple. Like but a it mild is, punch. But it is. Yeah, I'll <laughs> take a mild punch because I'm willing to take punches for my listeners, okay? But um, it's the exact same thing that I talked to you about before, probably like, off and off and on the mic, which is, like, it doesn't have to be. Um, this thing where it's like, okay, so you're going to go into a room, light scented candles for three hours and come at a new person. It's like, it's honestly can be as simple as like, yeah, you download an app like calm or 10% or whatever. And you try to meditate for a couple of minutes in the morning, maybe, or I tried guided, like I find meditation without guidance difficult sometimes. So I'll do like a quick guided meditation on something I'm interested in. It can also be like mindfulness is also this simple like the most simple practice that i implement with mindfulness is when i feel overwhelmed i pause and take three deep breaths in out in out in out it seems like something which would have no real effect but for someone like myself who like put it this way like you know those toys that you wind up and they just like go ballistic and go in circles that's me so like when i'm wound up and i'm like i think i'm tired of walking in circles like and like stomping all around like the, the three deep breaths is how I turn that, that wind up off. And I think try, you know, I don't want to be too prescriptive here, but like for people who feel that maybe like I do a little bit, like try and when you're like spiraling a bit, like literally pause and take three deep breaths. Like the effect is palpable. It, it's real. Like, I'm not saying you're going to like, you're going to be in the middle of some, um, like relationship altering argument and you take three deep breaths and you're like, I think I love you again, Janet. Like, it's not that, you know what I mean? It's, it's more just like you can at least get some perspective on the situation and put a comma in a sentence that's being written in all caps. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, I try, but it's very, we all difficult. try. Like I'm, I'm still a fair, <laughs> I'm still a failure with it. Like, uh, I shouldn't say that because that's totally antithetical to what I'm trying to promote. <laughs> but I, I still, I should put it this way. I am so at the beginning. Like if I'm looking at like my journey into mindfulness, I've walked about ten feet and I'm trying to get 
a couple hundred kilometers, you know, like, yeah, but at least I'm on the path. And that feels like something like I'm fine going turtle slow on this path. Um, because I know that there's I have so much learning to do, but I'm reading a lot about it. And I'm trying to understand a lot about it. And it is having a tangible positive effect. Because like, I used to have almost no ability to objectively look at what the situation and figure out what I needed, I would just spiral until I could justify feeling that way, or drink a couple extra beers or whatever it was like to numb the emotion, um, as opposed to address the emotion. And yeah. it feels like an important difference. Yeah, I just like my brain just like froze up because I just had a very like, buddha-esque moment where i'm like and that is why it is called practicing meditation because it is yes. something you practice not perfect oh <laughs> do you like my buddha it. voice <laughs> i did i did i did he's somehow he's somehow like like a touch elizabethan or something maybe not elizabethan yeah, i don't like know he, why because like yeah like that hello, he probably didn't I, at all speak like that like yeah like, have but you like, heard of the lotus flower yeah, that was basically like a human water fountain <laughs> <laughs> and now allison will perform the buddha um <laughs> but yeah um oh, but yeah that i think <laughs> yeah so i do struggle though with with like living in the present tense it's a very uncomfortable place to be at times and i think I for a lot of people with anxiety they will understand that you know like i'm like fidgeting right now in the present moment and um it's just something it's just you get really used to thinking about the past or the future and it's really mm -hmm. difficult to just be in what is especially if being in what is is what's uncomfortable you know mm -hmm. like when you're having a panic attack you don't really want to be in that moment you know <laughs> can i that double down on the present sucks. right now i'm yeah. really but yeah but you could give also me another that, slice of present yeah yeah i'd love some more present right now but you could also argue that the panic attack you're having in the present is largely because you spend so much time revving up the past you know at least yeah, for me or the future um, yeah. yeah and uh, and this is why it's so interesting like I know I don't see myself the way other people see me, you know, like I'm ridiculously hard on myself. And so I find praise. I almost feel like when I get praise, I have to like remind myself that it's genuine and people aren't just trying to make me feel good, you know, because I'm incomplete. Like, it's just like, um, I know objectively that I'm doing some things well, you know, and that I, mm -hmm. I have some skills and things like that, but it's hard. It's hard for me to focus on, you know, what I'm doing well right now when I have so many, I have like a, like a greatest hits in my mind of the failures of my past, oh, yeah. you know? Yep. I have like my like self-flagellation reel that I just like wind exactly. up like, let's watch this movie for the 500th time. It's like a little right. kid who's obsessed with that <laughs> one fucking movie and just exactly. like winds it up like over and over again. Like, okay, let's relive this moment, this moment, this moment, and this moment where you fucking sucked. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And like, and it's like little things too. Like I'm trying to be like, I want to be a good son to my parents and stuff like that but i'll focus on something i did in my teenage years where i'm like well that wasn't being a very good son chris was it you know and <laughs> yeah but at the same time too i want to make sure that the you know the the love i share with my family and friends and my parents and all that kind of stuff right now comes from a place of like not trying to make up for lost time but try to make the most of this time you know so like yeah. that's something i have to be cognizant of 
and and if there's anything I'm going to look at for the future, it's not like I'm not this or I'm not that. It's more thinking about like, well, I need to be this person today or try to be this person today because that will mean that tomorrow, you know, that I'm a caring son or brother or husband or whatever. But realistically, like if if we want to break down that, for me at least, when I'm trying to not panic about tomorrow and yesterday, I, I just try to be cognizant of like, the fact that uh, I will just do the best I can today. And that's all I can do. And that doesn't mean that I don't regularly go back to the past and present. Like, you know, I think you'll probably understand exactly what I mean here. Like sometimes you're doing something totally unrelated and like a, like a, a painful memory from the past just like swoops into your brain and hijacks yeah. you for a second. You're yeah, like, totally. what the hell is this? Yeah. What the hell is this? I'm literally like, I don't need this. Yeah. You're almost like possessed by like a random <laughs> thought ghost of the past. And you're just like, this yeah. is irrelevant. <laughs> Allison, it looks like you're doing pretty well right now. Can I just hijack you for a second? Yeah, Sincerely, your that. brain. Yeah. <laughs> While we're talking um, a little bit about like past and present, I just wanted to speak about this one concept called um, present bias that I thought was really interesting. Um, This is also from the New York Times article. But um, our brains have a hardwired tendency to prioritize short-term needs ahead of long-term ones. And um, that I think is really interesting is that a lot of what we do when we procrastinate is actually sort of a twisted version of mindfulness is kind of like thinking about ourselves in the present in a way that ignores the fact that we have a future Mm. because doing the task in the present is too painful if that makes Hmm. sense yeah elaborate on that like maybe if like with a personal example maybe for anyone who might not get that or just like elaborate on a little bit more for I think I you know, understand what you're saying, but I'd love to hear, how do you think that relates to your own anxiety, for example? Okay. So like, for example, with doing my taxes, like I know from past experience, because these have remained like looming over my head for years, that not doing this makes me feel shitty. Right, but I exactly. also know that in the present moment, I'm not doing it and I feel good about the fact that I'm not doing it which is almost sort of a reward in and of itself, like avoidance. Avoiding a task, I'm going to just totally go on a different, uh, like switch tack here and go back to like my education teaching and learning like psychologically, the hardest behaviors to extinguish are avoidance behaviors because Mm. avoidance is in and of itself, innately rewarding. And so when you're talking about like behavior management in an education setting, you're talking about typically kids will do things for like attention or avoidance, or maybe there's maybe one other that I'm forgetting. And so it's easier to address things like attention because you can just not give attention or you can, you know, uh, there are other things as well that you can just not give. But avoidance is innately rewarding. And that's why it's the hardest to to extinguish because in the exact moment you're actually doing you're getting the reward whether or not you decide to you know no matter what you do you get the reward it's like addiction right it is it is i'm very familiar with addiction because i've lost friends in the past from it and so on and so forth and and i think it's like there is this horrible addiction I, i think there's a parallel in the sense that somebody 
they feel so bad about their addiction, but at the same time, too, they're not ready to address it in that present moment and to prioritize the the amount of joy you'd feel in the present moment without thinking about the future or the past yeah. is to indulge in drugs again. And, and, and almost by prioritizing that behavior in the present moment, you're almost throwing the finger to the past and the future and, and ignoring the implications, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And that is part of the present bias. And um, I think it's actually a really apt comparison that you drew. And so just to speak a little bit more about this concept, and I'm quoting again from the New York Times article here, is on a neural level, we perceive our future selves more like strangers than as part of ourselves. So when we procrastinate, part of our brains actually think that the tasks we're putting off and the accompanying negative feelings that await us on the other side are somebody else's problem. And I think you can liken that to addiction as well to say that you're present by it because you're living in the present and that's what you're feeling at that moment. You are more wired mentally just evolutionary wise to avoid the pain in the present and the future is still conceptual to you even though you know that at some point the future will be a present you still just can make mental diversions in order to avoid that knowledge and to indulge in something in the present that you know is bad for you long term but gives you that immediate reward and mm-hmm. so I think that that's sort of, it's interesting. I'm glad you brought up addiction in this context because I think procrastination is kind of a form of addiction in a way. It's an addiction to avoidance, essentially. Yeah. And um, an addiction to keeping yourself in a low place as well. I think there is something with addiction you know, speaking to uh, someone with um, like a lot of addiction in my family is that addiction a lot of times comes from a place of feeling worthless or feeling like you're someone who doesn't deserve joy, kind of. And so you continue to do something fully knowing that in the future, you know, you're going to hate yourself for doing it. Because you actually kind of want to feel the hate because it you double down on you double yeah, down on the hate. Yeah, it feeds into this loop that you've created for yourself. And I think you keep living in that loop because it's less mentally taxing than creating a whole new framework, you know. And mm-hmm. so you'd rather just kind of live in that like narrative. you know, yeah, the narrative, the the addiction indulgence shame spiral, you know, that's just like you just kind of go back and forth, indulge shame, indulge shame, indulge shame, and you just kind of go in a loop. And I think that that's really what a lot of people get stuck in. And I, that's why it's really hard because one feeds into the other. It's like it's just like a perfect, you know, those sort of two curved arrows that make a circle kind of the you know, like that, I'm thinking in a, um, I'm trying to draw like a verbal diagram. I don't think it worked. But, um, I think it works. I think, yeah. I think people will get, will definitely get it. Yeah. Exactly One feeds into it. the other. So yeah, for sure. I think that's really fascinating. And, and it's, it's a reminder to me of this old parable. I think I mentioned it before, like the old parable there's a, and there's a podcast that kind of draws upon this parable, but it's the old parable of the, um, the two wolves. Right. And it says like, 
uh, there's this like grandma who tells their grandson that like we all have a different wolf uh, inside of us. There's a there's a good wolf and there's a bad wolf. And the granddaughter or son says to grandma like, well, which which wolf lives in me? And she says the one you feed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's this interesting thing where like we when we're feeding one particular wolf, you know, we feel like that's who we are and that's what we deserve. And that's what that's all of us. And when we're feeding the other wolf, you know, you feel like that's who you are and whatever. But but the truth is that we are all both wolves, you know, to, yeah. to some extent. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's like it's about understanding, like when we have that compulsion to double and triple and quadruple down on on that aspect of ourselves and uh we'll say feed the shame flame yeah um that's that's actually when we need yeah that's when we need to back up the most and that's really where support comes into play right like having Mm -hmm. someone you trust to be like i am like i am stuck in this loop you know and you know i haven't always been my my best self that's for sure you know i'm i'm a i'm a flawed person like everybody else who is doing my best and i think in a way like my journey towards becoming my better self started when I admitted that I was flawed in the first place. And that's why it all ties back, I think, in some sense to this idea of perfectionism and procrastination, right? Where it's like procrastination becomes a lot less painful when every task doesn't have to be perfect because we're not perfect. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that was a nice little tangent we went on. I liked that. I think so too. I'm like, I'm, um, I realized we didn't set up backup recordings on our phone. So I'm just like praying oh, that everything yeah. goes, I'm praying <laughs> that everything goes all right. I was little, when yeah. you were talking, I started to get anxious cause I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is really good. And I, we can't afford to lose this. No, um, so I think we'll in be this, okay. <laughs> oh, I, th- I, know, I know we'll be okay. Um, and if people are listening to this, then they know we've been okay too. So that's yes. good. Yes. Um, I think that's probably a really smart place to, um, to wrap things up on, um, yeah. do you want to, I guess maybe just, uh, some, something we've been doing at least, uh, as of late a little bit is just having like a couple of minutes to talk about any tips or ideas we have before we go into the final wrap up. Did yeah, you want to, anything, I think we can probably talk probably personally about a few things that we might try to do mm-hmm. that might be helpful for people. Yep, absolutely. So I'm going to speak as an utter failure. So please take, uh, Literally an, an entire box of salt um, when you listen to what I say. And also, I'm <laughs> going to take that salt and throw it away and throw exactly what you said away because you're the farthest thing from a failure I know. And I was oh, thinking... Oh, no, I don't mean like... On. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're getting praise, so you're going to have okay. to pause for a second. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say before is, and this is just uh, sentimental Chris coming out, um, and uh, I realized probably that you weren't exactly saying you're an utter failure but i hear that word and uh <laughs> the alarms go off in my soul Papa Bear so comes i just out. wanted to say yeah exactly i thought that some of the tangents and the way you express certain things this episode are the best that you've done period and in the 15 episodes i've seen you grow dramatically and so even jokingly ascribing yourself like that seems crazy to me so i just want to let you know if i could write a review on the episode of your life, I would give you five stars. Aww. And I will also say that I will use this as a chance to promote us and say you should give us five stars. <laughs> Not surprised. About. Literally yeah, couldn't you. be less surprised by that. Um, 
Yeah. So now you for, take it and take the praise. Yeah. For the record, I was referring to myself as a failure in the art of avoiding procrastination, not like a macro level failure. But Still. I will take the praise. I will take the praise. Yeah. I will put it in my pocket for the next time mm-hmm. I feel like shit for, uh, you know, avoiding something. Thank you. Listen to those 15 seconds over and over. Keep them on the loop. <laughs> yeah. So these are not necessarily things that I practice, but this is, these are things that I read in the article are ways to sort of work through procrastination is um, what I said before about trying to build up some self-compassion. And that makes kind of that kind of ties into what we were saying about that shame indulgence sort of spiral that you can get into. And sorry, I have like a fly just like aggressively flying at my face. So I'm sort of losing my train of thought. <laughs> just like free, like at me. Okay. Uh, there you had your voice. Yeah, that was yeah. your second voice this episode. Nice. Getting back into it. Um, the fly and Elizabethan Buddha. <laughs> classics on any voice actor reel. Um, but trying to forgive yourself. <laughs> sorry. Okay, sorry, go yeah. ahead. Trying oh, okay. to um, forgive yourself can sort of short circuit the the mental loop that you get into with yourself because if you normally it, the shame spiral kind of works, uh, the flame shame, excuse me, kind of works by you, um, <laughs> you know, you fuck up and then you get mad at yourself for fucking up. So then you fuck up again because you're mad about fucking up or sad or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And so instead, if you kind of short circuit that by not getting mad or upset when you mess up, theoretically, you can avoid that in the future because you didn't create the conditions for you to then get angry with yourself again. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. sort of, I guess then Chris would prescribe mindfulness as the uh, antidote for for such Mm -hmm. a thing. But I do think that, yeah... um, Practicing mindfulness is most likely a very good method for getting yourself out of the procrastination spiral. I haven't personally been able to ever get out of the procrastination spiral. It's just my life essentially right now. I'm working towards it, but um, I think that would be a tool which you could you could use. And Chris, I know you like the 10% app and calm as well um i like simple habit i'm not a very big uh meditator i'm still i'm still working on it um but i like simple habit because all of the um all of the meditations are very like direct guided like they have you know like meditation for you know um anxiety meditation for headache meditation for um you know, just like very specific things. So it's like, oh, I have a case of this. Let me let me find the yeah. uh, the meditation for that. So I like that it's very directed because if because to me meditation is such a like Whoa, concept. It's like it's yeah. too it's too broad. So I like being able to like zero in on something very specific. Um, sorry, I, I don't want to cut you out, but I will no, say that's why it. I like ten percent as well. Um, is because it doesn't take it takes away this like like woohoo meditation is this, that, and the other. Like there's a um, particular guy on the 10% app called Jeff Warren who co-wrote the book 10% Happier. And he's very much just like, he pokes fun almost at meditation itself. He's like, you're probably hating yourself right now. 
that's all right. We all do. Like, it's very much like um, it plays on the notion that of of the like woo woo meditation sort of yeah. idea. Um, I'd also recommend the book. Oh no, what was it? It was was it ten percent happier? No, it's it's Jeff. It's Dan Harris's other book. Meditation but, uh, for fidgety skeptics. I feel like yes, you mentioned this enough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I feel like I've read it, even though I haven't I actually bought it, but yeah. never finished it because I lost my Kindle. Yeah. But I found my Kindle, which I'm very happy about. Yeah. So that's so. Anyways, that's a like. I feel like <laughs> Meditation for fidgety, fidgety Skeptics is also a good book to read if you're like. It just takes a lot of the like, the woo woo out of out of meditation. So it's something yeah. to think about. Anyways, I feel like you probably had another point to make, so I will I will uh, fade into the mist for a second. Um, yeah, the other thing that this article suggested is um, sort of segmenting tasks to make them less, um, you know, less overwhelming and focusing just on the next action. Like, what is the next thing I need to do in order to start this? So like, in the, you know, instance of uh, some sort of giant paperwork headache, maybe the first thing you need to do is make one phone call to Mm. start the process. So just focusing on just the phone call and then the next step and then the next step and just sort of allowing yourself breaks between those rather than what I do, which is like this marathon perfect sprint. And um, one thing that I thought was interesting, they say um, you could uh, consider the next action as just a possibility. Like what's the next action I take on this if I were going to do it, even though I'm not. So just Mm -hmm. thinking about what you would do, even if you're not, and how that would look going through all the steps that can make it less overwhelming. Uh, mm-hmm. another one, uh, that people suggest is making your, your, your temptations or avoidance mechanisms less easy to access. So, you know, things like putting a, uh, a limit on your social media, like we talked about last week, or, you know, maybe creating a, a more difficult system for whatever your preferred method of procrastination is, um, creating sort of a system that kind of limits your ability to procrastinate. I just like resist that hardcore because uh, I'm very rebellious by nature. So if someone tells me that I like, if I, if my app tells me that I've spent too much screen time, I'm like, guess what? Fuck you app. I can just disable you. You can't beat that. Can you? (laughs) I'm stronger than you app. (laughs) Yeah. Come on AI. Like what's next? Huh? Huh? Um, so Yelling the, at your phone on the streets again? You're yeah. like, oh gosh. Yeah. Um, so those are the things that were recommended in the article. But again, this is speaking as someone who still constantly struggles with procrastination. So these are more like theoretical pieces of advice. One actionable piece of advice I can offer, though, is for people who have issues with perfectionism. There is uh, a podcast that I really like called Unfuck Your Brain that has a lot of really great episodes on um, perfectionism. And I think one is called like Perfectionism and Tomorrow Thinking. I don't Mm. I can I can confirm that in a minute, but um, that's a really, really good place to sort of start with her podcast. It's uh, it's she really breaks down perfectionism perfectionism in a way that's really helpful yeah i i found her her podcast to be really great 
Cool. I like it. I, some of what you were saying really reminds me of a book I read called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I love which, that book. Yeah. So like the whole tenet is like tiny changes, remarkable results, right? And so yeah. what you were saying there from the article, this is a bit extreme in my opinion, but they were talking about like developing a gym habit, like literally start by going for five minutes and then leaving, like just build that habit of driving well, there after not work. even like the habit would be putting your shoes on, you yeah, know, that's how, that was yeah. the, how we started. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, exactly. Rolling out your yoga mat, even if you don't touch it, yeah. you know, which just, seemed a little, ex- ex- a little yeah. extreme to me, but I also understand like in his, in his mind, it was about like, effectiveness of of creating that neural pathway you know in a sense like creating opening Mm -hmm. that door and being the type of person who does do that right so yes i thought it was fascinating i just wanted to correct myself quickly the the episode title that i wanted to recommend of unfuck your brain is uh episode 90 perfectionist fantasies and tomorrow thinking that's a really good episode um so if you want to follow up to that i recommend that episode and her podcast is very bingeable so yeah. Great. It's great. It's great if you want to procrastinate. <laughs> yeah. If you're trying not to do something, just listen to like all 160 episodes of hers. Then you'll never have exactly. to do anything again. Stop everything you're doing. Just yeah. do that. And then binge us next and then five star us. And then maybe just write us like a really thoughtful letter about how much you've changed say. your lives. And then you'll never have to do anything you don't want to do That's again. <laughs> and then just tell everybody you know. Um, that we solved your problems. Campaign. Yeah. Exactly. And then write a hundred reviews. It's very simple. <laughs> I, I was... Uh, I was going to say just a few things that I thought about um, as far as maybe some actionable things that I've done to to help combat procrastination. One of which is like email used to be a big thing for me until I I bought a program called Mixmax, which allows me to snooze uh, emails. Like this is part of the functionality of Gmail, I think innately anyways, but you snooze your emails to come back at an appropriate time for yourself and leave a note of what you were going to do. So for example, if an email comes and I'm just not ready to deal with it and it's Tuesday and I know I'll be able to deal with it on Friday morning, I'll have it sent back to me on Friday morning with a note of what I was thinking I was going to do. And mm-hmm. it makes it a lot more manageable. I also realized I was getting kind of two or three emails a lot. So I created backend templates on Mixbox so that I just hit comma and whatever it is. So for example, I, whenever I have someone reach out to me for sponsored content, that seems like a good fit for my site. I have a template where I just literally go comma sponsored and it populates like a 350 word comprehensive email. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, this for me is like a time hack, but it also means that email has become a lot less of a source of stress. Like if we're like, I've lowered the, the, uh, the shame flame on that. So something to think it's about like there. Shame ember. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's still there. <laughs> I could still cook with it, but it's not, you know, and then, uh, the other thing for me is that, uh, like, and for me, that's the way that I respect my procrastination. And then the other, um, the other thing that I do is, is confronting my procrastination. So I know that, I have a real problem with procrastination when I feel like I might feel stupid about it or I feel disorganized or that I'm going to have to confront like, I don't know, like in the same way that in a classroom, like you might not want to put up your hand if you don't have the right answer and you're scared about being shamed. So like I would create procrastination around that kind of stuff. And so the way that I get around it is making sure that I feel comfortable with it. So for example, I am creating content Uh, for four different websites right now. So I use Trello to mark down and organize all the upcoming articles that I have for each of those. And I mark them. I use the same priority system that I use for my daily tasks in the same colors to show which ones I need to do next. And I organize them as things are going. And for me, it might sound like 
a little stressful at the beginning, but for me, it's hugely helpful when I feel stressed out about all the things I need to do as far as creating content for my site to mm -hmm. look and even have due dates for when things are going to be done and stuff like that. Yeah. It allows me to visualize exactly what I need to do. So for me, I think about like confronting and respecting my procrastination yeah. by, by Absolutely. doing those sorts of things. Yeah. I also really love Trello. I love that it's super visual and, yeah. you know, I've tried other sort of like a task Asana, management app. Oh, fuck Asana. Like, I agree. <laughs> sorry if they ever want to sponsor us, but I would not. <laughs> like, I could not handle Asana. Like, it just... Asana, no one to give you anxiety is sponsoring. <laughs> I'm anxious about <laughs> <laughs> But like, it's just, it was too much. Not intuitive. Yeah, it's not intuitive at all. And it would make me more frustrated when I was working, like a client was requiring that I use it. And it was more frustrating trying to figure out. And I was like, I would rather just email you. But Trello mm -hmm. is super like, it's very visually appealing. It's like very easy to use. It's literally almost like post-its that you can just like kind of exactly. drag and drop across a screen. And like the sharing functionalities, it's, it's almost too simple. But that's what makes it really good because it's very, you can really just create a system that works for you. And it's basically like post-its that you can share across the screen. And yeah. it's very simple, but that makes it really powerful in a way because you kind of can tailor it to what you use. I manage a lot of writers. I have like, I don't know, let's say at least 10 writers across my many websites. And it's really useful for managing all the people that I need to manage and keeping up with because sometimes I feel guilty when I don't have enough assignments to give them and I kind of get a little bit you know behind on assigning work and it's really great because I can just kind of load up Trello and then get people get people rolling exactly. yeah. yeah but anyway um let's wrap this up because we kind of lied to our audience and told them that this Shocking. would be a short episode and we're at an hour 20. <laughs> Yeah, shocking, shocking. <laughs> um, but we'll we'll make sure we don't do the uh, accidental two hour here. We'll we'll wrap no. it up pretty nicely with a bow here. So tell me, uh, Allison, what's one thing you're patting yourself on the back for in the last, let's say, week or so? Um, ugh, I already preemptively patted myself on the back for avoiding alcohol for two months. So I guess that. Sweet. And um. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that could be, yeah, that could be, that's, that's the quickest. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's it. You know, okay. like, yeah. <laughs> so, so do you think that in light of your short answer, I should just go on like a 25 minute tirade about Absolutely. things I'm patting myself on the back for? Okay, good, good. We'll make sure we get to 140. Um, no, <laughs> joking aside, uh, I guess one thing that I am patting myself on the back for is, well, uh, I'm, I'm getting some opportunities again. And, uh, I'm patting myself on the back for not giving up. Um, I think I had some low moments during this period and, and that's not to say this period is, this period's far from over, right? This period of yeah. our lives, I, I know, but I- The new abnormal. Yeah, exactly, right? The new abnormal. Um, but I feel like I've done some important learning that I hope I can carry with me. And I still, as I said, I still have a long way to go to be the person I wanna be, but I'm, I. I feel like there were some moments in the past couple of months that I could have given up and crumbled. If you want to talk about abnormal, um, celebrating that and actually realizing that and giving myself credit for that, that would be very abnormal for me. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and do that just to, to, to go in with the new abnormal because I'm happy I didn't give up because a lot of things like this podcast and, and a few other things are have a little bit of inertia now that I'm excited about. 
So nice. I will keep it concise and leave it at that. And I think uh, that would be the fastest wrap up ever, which I'm happy wow. with because I was worried about having to edit a two hour episode again. <laughs> no, no, we kept it under under the limit. So I think we're good. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I think we're all done pretty much. Uh, do you want to let people know where they can find you or, or are we doing that? I can't remember if we still do that. Uh, we do it sometimes, but uh, come join us on Facebook at yeah, We're Anxious exactly. About. Um, yeah. You can stalk me. Don't stalk me, please. Um, on Eternal Arrival on Instagram. Uh, I don't really actually do anything, so it probably won't be very exciting for you. Occasionally, I post something. And um, yeah, those are the most relevant places. You can find me on yeah. eternalarrival.com, sophiaadventures.com. If you're planning a trip to the Balkans, which you probably aren't because you probably should be staying home. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I'm, uh, I will say first, like you, um, that you should go to where I'm anxious about. I think it's, we, we, we got to get more lively too, because we're starting to get a few more people join and I want to make sure that they feel beloved. Um, but it's not, it's not quiet. So that's good. Uh, and then I guess if people are looking to connect with me elsewhere, um, traveling Mitch with one L across the socials and website, I also run ultimate Ontario and this week in blogging. And if you really wanted to do a deep dive on my life, just go to ChristopherJDMitchell.com. But uh, I figure after an hour and a half, you've probably had your fill of Chris. So we will, you're you're like, I have two. I'm there. I've, I've had my fill. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, I guess we'll just thank everybody for getting their collective fill of us. Um, This is starting to turn into a strange metaphor. uh, So we'll move past that. Um, But just give a big old thank you to everyone for listening to another episode. And we will be back in your ears next Thursday. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. And don't procrastinate whatever you are doing this week. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Bye-bye.